About a year and a half ago, we were coming to the end of our sermon series on the gospel according to John. Summer was approaching, and I was thinking about which Old Testament book we might look at through summer. I knew a little bit about Jeremiah. I knew enough that it was generally about God's people as a nation uh, having gotten off the path of the way that God would have them live. And Jeremiah did a lot of calling them out on that, especially the leaders. And I just, for some reason, thought maybe there might be some relevance to what's happening in in our nation. Uh, So that was last spring. And as I started to do my study about a year and a half ago, I realized, wow, there are so many stories that seem relevant to the things that are going on in our current situation that I think I'm going to have to break this up over two summers. So a year ago, summer, we did the first half. This summer, we've been doing the second half. So that was spring of 2018 when sort of all this got put into play. Now, given that the choices that led to this morning being the Sunday, that this particular story of Jeremiah were choices that we would look at was this story of Jeremiah, were choices that were made over a year ago. It is uncanny how much this scripture speaks to this week in our nation. Since Tuesday, we have been having this intense argument in this country over questions like, the answers to questions like, what makes a person a true citizen, a full citizen? What does it look like to love this country? Some of the loudest voices in this fight have been white evangelicals claiming to be followers of Christ who more than any other group have proclaimed that a person must uh, love this country or leave it. Love it or leave it. And by love this country, they mean specifically to support the current president and his administration wholeheartedly or be quiet. So right in the middle of this battle over these issues, we hear God speaking to Jeremiah. And if we take the Bible as our God, after reading this morning's story, I find it very hard to see how a follower of God, a follower of Christ specifically could ever say, of this or any country that you must support the current regime or be silent. The story of Jeremiah reveals to all followers of God that God is our primary allegiance, not country. And when and where our country veers from God's ways, we are called to be prophetic, not patriotic. If Jeremiah was a current United States representative in Congress and said similar things as what he says here 
in this story, there is no way that white evangelicals would construe him as any way supporting the current head of government and the administration. And he's not quiet about it. We hear in verses 2 and 3, This is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in this city, he's talking about Jerusalem, the kingdom of Judah. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes over to the Babylonians, whoever deserts their country and goes over to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their life. They will live. And this is what the Lord says. He says, again, this city... Jerusalem, the center of the kingdom of Judah, will be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon, who will capture it. So some of the king's cabinet members are there listening to him. We hear the four names. And these officials don't feel like Jeremiah is being particularly patriotic. They go to the king and say to him, this man should be put to death. He's discouraging the soldiers who are left in the city, the ones who haven't already deserted, as well as all the people by the things that he is saying to them. And this man is not seeking the good of this people. He's seeking their ruin. And I think we should be honest again here. They are right. Jeremiah is not being patriotic, at least in any sort of general understanding of what it means to be patriotic. In fact, he is being traitorous. He is saying, desert, go over to Babylon. He is undermining the regime's policies. And any commentator with any integrity writing about this story recognizes Jeremiah's lack of patriotism. Walter Brueggemann says, yes, this is an effective act of sabotage of royal policy. Sabotage. Temper Longman uh, notes that Jeremiah sounds like an agent of the Babylonians. I thought that was a particularly interesting, and that was something, a comment that he wrote years ago, has nothing to do with all the recent commentary we've had about agents of foreign powers. Jeremiah sounds like a non-registered agent of a foreign power. In fact, one of the other commentators is a little bit more thorough in his response to this. The treasonable, treasonable nature of Jeremiah's encouragement to desert to the Babylonians is quite unmistakable. It appears shocking and has aroused considerable consternation and disapproval from many commentators, people who write about these stories, for its almost complete lack of patriotic feeling for Judah and Jerusalem. Jeremiah, Jeremiah's words are so contradictory to our general understanding in the United States of God and country that some commentators writing about this get angry with, with Jeremiah because he's not being patriotic. 
And he's not. He's not being patriotic. He's being prophetic. This is what God says is his claim. Not, this is my own opinion. Verse 2, this is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in this city, etc. Verse 3, and this is what the Lord says. This city will certainly be handed over, etc. God's people, both its rulers and the general population, had drifted from the ways of God. They weren't caring for the weak and the vulnerable. The rich were hoarding power and wealth. They had adopted the moral practices of, or immoral by God's standards, practices of the cultures around them. Profiteering, sexual exploitation were rampant, and they were often done in the name of God. For decades, God had been trying to get the nation to set things right, but they wouldn't change. And even at this stage, God gives Zechariah or Zedekiah, the king, another chance. In the very next story that we have in the rest of this chapter, uh, beginning at verse 14, we hear, Then King Zedekiah, after Jeremiah gets pulled out of the cistern, Zedekiah sends for Jeremiah, had him brought to the temple and, and says, I'm going to ask you something. Don't hide anything from me. Jeremiah says to Zedekiah, yeah, right. If I say anything to you, you're going to kill me. But King Zedekiah swore this oath secretly to Jeremiah, surely as the Lord lives who has given us breath, I will neither kill you nor hand you over to those who are seeking your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, okay, this is what the Lord says. Again, this is what the Lord, in fact, he adds, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and this city will not be burned down and your family, you and your family will live. But if you will not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be handed over to the Babylonians, they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from their hands. Again, another chance. Just listen to me. If you do, things will be okay. It's not great, but they'll be a lot better than if you don't listen to me. And still, Zedekiah doesn't listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah does listen to God and follows God's leading because Jeremiah knows that our primary allegiance is to God, not to country. And when and where our country veers from God's ways, we are called to be prophetic, not patriotic. One other important point from this story the one person who does show a, 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 a heart open to God and compassion to Jeremiah is an outsider. Verses 6 and 7 of this. Uh, they took Jeremiah, put him in the cistern, but Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, 
an official in the royal palace heard they had put Jeremiah into the cistern and went to the king to get him out. Cush, he's a Cushite. Cush was the ancient name for Egypt. This man is, excuse me, not Egypt, Ethiopia. This man is an Ethiopian. Now also, uh, the, the word that is used in the Hebrew for unofficial of the royal palace, that is the same word as eunuch. Uh, oftentimes, foreign male servants were castrated in order to work in the palace so that they were considered safe around the women. We don't know for sure if this Ethiopian man had been castrated or not, but he is very definitely, notice how every time they bring up his name, they say Ebed Melech the Cushite. He is definitely an outsider. And that is the important point, is that it is an outsider who is the only one who showed care for Jeremiah. He goes to the king, that's at the, the public gate, which is essentially in court. That's where legal proceedings were often taken, took place, is at the, the, the gate of the city. So he basically goes to court and says, what these guys are doing is wrong, and, and Jeremiah's doing his job as... God gave it to him, and he's going to die if you don't pull him out of this cistern. And who knows what Zedekiah, Zedekiah just kind of goes with whoever's in front of him at the moment. Again, another thing that sounds a little familiar. But he says, okay, take 30 men, and he's clearly scared of these other four because that, that they might not agree with him taking Jeremiah out. So he says, take 30 men with you in case the, the original four don't go along with this and release him. And, and in addition to the fact that it's noted that this is an Ethiopian, uh, possibly uh, a eunuch, this outsider, that little piece about how he, before he goes to pull him out, he goes and gets some rags to, to put under the ropes so it's more comfortable. Think about this for a moment. This story is talking about God, the creator of the universe, dealing with the kings of two different regional powers. This has literally international. This was the last, this was the end of the Davidic kingdom. I mean, this is a huge historical moment, all this stuff. And one of the most important stories that's included in all of this is this little one about this Ethiopian outsider who rescues Jeremiah, and part of that rescue is he gets some nice padding for the ropes so that Jeremiah is more comfortable when they save him. Why would, why is that important? I think part of it is to encourage all of us that even those individual things that we do that might seem unimportant actually may be very significant. And one thing that happens here is that this, this outsider exemplifies living in the way of God when God's people as a whole weren't. And in fact, in the next chapter, chapter 39, 
God assures this same Ethiopian servant, Ebed Melech, which actually just means um, servant of the king in Hebrew. Um, it's not his real name in a sense, but God assures Ebed Melech when, that when the destruction comes, you will be saved because you have trusted in me, is the way it goes. Ebed Melech knew that God is our primary allegiance. And when and where those in authority veer from following God, we are called to be prophetic and not patriotic. I honestly believe that we in the United States now are in the same position that Germans were in 1930s, in the 30s. The chant from the crowd in North Carolina at Trump's rally on Wednesday night was absolutely chilling. A bunch of almost entirely white people yelling, send her back, referring to a U.S. Congress representative from Minnesota, Ilan Omar, send her back. But they were just following the president's lead from Tuesday when he had said about four U.S. representatives who all happened to be women of color that they should be sent back. This is how genocide starts. Saying that a whole people group doesn't belong in this case because of the color of their skin is the beginning. We are already letting people of this same government designation, people who should be sent back or kept out, we are already letting people of this same designation die at the border. Even kids months old. That movement from allowing people to die to shooting people isn't really that far. In fact, <laughs> growing up in the, in the U.S., I think all of us were taught how evil the Nazis were and how evil Hitler was. And I know that many of us, we, we often, we still do, we often wonder, how was it that an entire nation could do what they did, that they, that they allowed six million people to be slaughtered, to be sent to gas chambers. Six million people. You notice when six million people are disappearing. And not only did some allow it, many participated in it. And I know, I know we've had these conversations before that we've wondered, how would I have, what would I have done if I had been there? We are there. We're there. And we are being faced with those questions. What do we do? In the U.S., here and now. And... As a little bit of a confirmation that I'm not losing my mind, I, I, you know, I do wonder about that. I, and I'm thankful that you all know me well enough that you can pull me aside and you know, say, you're drifting, Doug, come back. 
But I did, uh, somebody posted this morning that the, the main cover of the German magazine Stern, the main cover of that magazine is Donald Trump with a big U.S. flag around his shoulders doing this. This is a German publication. We must stand up to those who are dehumanizing our sisters and brothers who are part of the human race. All people who are human beings are our sisters and brothers in the human race. We must stand up, we must resist, and we must, we must work to break power for those who are trying to do this dehumanization. Not because it's patriotic. It's not patriotic in the traditional sense. Not because it's patriotic, but because it's biblical. It's the way of God. God creates, we hear from the very beginning, God creates every human being in the image of God. Throughout the scriptures, God judges nations, entire nations, over and over again about how they treat the weak, the poor, the oppressed. And right now, our president and the administration are not merely failing to help the weak, the poor, and the oppressed. They are actively seeking to eliminate them. Through Jeremiah, we are reminded that our primary allegiance is to God. Our primary allegiance is to God, not country. And when and where our government veers from the way of God, we are called to be prophetic, not patriotic. God help us all.